Hey, Twisted History listeners, you can find us every Wednesday night on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Oh, should we start this show? Yeah, I'm down. Just buying a car in Carvana first. Ooh, for real? Yeah, it's super convenient. I already got pre-qualified in two minutes. All I had to do is answer a few questions. Ooh, that's helpful. And now just customizing my down and monthly payments. Ooh, that's a very fair deal. Yep. Boom. Just bought a car. And you get to take me to the Carvana vending machine in a couple days to pick it up. Ooh. I'm kind of busy. Visit Carvana.com to finance your next car. Financing subject to credit approval. Here is a bulletin from Kennedy's Motorcade. Seven, six, we have main engine start. Gutted shells of buildings, flames right. raging out of control. The devastation is so widespread. Followed a security alert earlier this morning. It is July 20th, 1969. Breaking news, major corruption crackdown going down. Time right. to make up your mind about people. as never. Sonny, there's only one word to describe what's happening, and that is panic. The description on one wire service, master criminal. Hey everybody, welcome on back to Twisted History, brought to you by Barstool Sports. It's me and Vibs in the building. Um, always nice to see you, Vibs. Or relatively nice to see you, Vibs. Nice to see you. Right there, no. yeah. Yeah. Well, this is the favorite part, my favorite part. Yeah, it's nice day. to see you without the mustache. Just yeah, I, I shaved it. I shaved it for a Mother's Day video. I thought there was no nobler cause. You're right, because I think your mom would be off-put by it. My mom saw me with my hair growing in. I still got the hair growing in. I'm wearing a uh-huh. hat, which I typically don't do. But the hair is still growing in, and it looks just terrible. It looks so fucking Sipowitzy from NYPD Blue. A little bit of a uh, dated reference, but it uh, it it's just, I, I don't know. And my daughter's getting a kick out of it. Well, diseased peach is what you said on FaceTime yeah. last night, and that stuck with me. Yeah, it's moved up to maybe diseased kiwi, but I think we're going to dye it. My daughter's going to dye it like red or purple or something like that, so that's uh, that's interesting, and I'm sure stuff that Twisted his, twisted Historians want to talk about. But today mm-hmm. is uh, one of the things that we're going to talk about, customs. Um, when I think about customs right away, I think about... Uh, going to an airport, somebody snapping on a rubber glove and putting their finger up my ass looking for heroin. But we're going to talk about customs uh, in different cultures. I love to laugh at my own culture. I love to laugh at other cultures. I don't want people to take it personally, even if it does have a religious connotation. I was an altar boy for an inordinate amount of time. I think I was an altar boy from the third grade to the eighth grade, which is... uh, and I was undiddled the whole time. Nobody even touched me, which is, which is positive or whatever. Yeah. But I, I used to giggle at Holy Thursday was the washing of the feet. I don't know if you remember that. But the priest would then call up like 10 or maybe 12 for the apostles. Call up like 12 strangers from Mass. And then they would wash their feet. I always kind of got a kick out of the uh, uh, Ash Wednesday. How ridiculous people look on Ash Wednesday. Myself mm-hmm. included. I go about it. So... If I do seem to poke fun at some of these things, or if Bibbs pokes fun at some of these things, and they do have some sort of religious meeting, it's just silly is silly, right? Can we can we talk about the feet thing? That's a weird custom because at, at like youth group they do like a Jesus would wash people's feet, so we need yep. to do that. I I would I could do without that custom. You know what I yes. mean? I just don't <laughs> want to wash someone's feet. I don't. I'm not against feet, but that's it sucks. It's just putting it out there. Sort of everything in the Catholic religion. Is that the thing that really burns you the most? Mine's they, the pedophilia. But they can yours... have the yeah, they can have the kids. <laughs> Don't make me touch people's feet. Understood. I'm glad we got that out there. Yeah. So these are gonna be customs from all over the world. Uh the way Saint Anne broke it down was by country for the most part. So me and Vibs are gonna whack it up, get to a bunch of them, and just kind of again, we're just looking to make people a little bit more interesting. Right, just a smidge more interesting. Mm-hmm. And if it comes up in conversation, somebody feeding the dead, you'd be like, "Oh shit, I know about that. That's right outside of Rome where they put the tube and the and the thing." So that's twisted history. It's twisted history of customs, cultures, and traditions. A little nugget, trying to give you a little nugget of information. That's all I need. Is a couple of nuggets. start in Spain and we'll start with bullfights. I mentioned uh, St. Anne doing the research for this. She's, she's well-traveled. My wife is well-traveled. 
I'd like to say she slept with men all around the world, but that's not true. I think I was her first. At least I like to tell myself that. But no, but she's she's been everywhere, and, and including she went to a bullfight uh, when she was in Spain. And then for, I think, six or seven years after that, she became a vegetarian. She left the bullfight. She wasn't sure what she was getting herself into. And when she did, when she did get in there, she was utterly disgusted. I find them to be fascinating. I have this other thing that we started up last week called Mind Your Business um, about like uh, companies that are weathering the, the quarantine storm. Mm-hmm. And I'm interviewing this week a guy from Texas who runs a drive-in. And drive-ins make sense in quarantines because you're not mixing with the great unwashed, you're just in your car. And I thought that even though there's not a lot of adaptation in this guy's business model, I find drive-ins to be relatively fascinating because maybe 10% of the United States, I don't think 20% have been to a drive-in. I know I've never been to a drive-in. Have you I ever have. Yeah, I right. actually have. Yeah, when I was like six years old though. Yeah, once. Right. It's, a, it's a, like a novelty thing almost now. I think if 10 or 20% of people know about it, no, 10 or 20% have been, I think 90% of people know about drive-ins. So therefore, mm. they're relatively fascinating. And I think the same thing with bullfights. We all know about them. We all have seen, whether it just be in the cartoons with the dangling of the red uh, cape or whether or not we've actually been to them, I just think they're interesting. But they're also fucking brutal. Uh, it ends almost all the time with the matador killing the bull with a sword. Every now and again, a bull will get a pardon if he'd done extremely well. But the amount of torture that this bull goes through from start to finish, the way they wear this bull down, it's not like a one-on-one matador versus bull. They have these other guys in there who are uh, brandishing these these sharp spears that they constantly keep plunging into the bull's back, which is causing uh, blood loss. It's causing the bull the inability to turn his head without a tremendous amount of pain. It really is. And believe me, I'm not a PETA guy, right? I mean, I just threw down a ribeye on the way over here. I'm not a PETA guy. But just the absolute brutality of it is something that I didn't really realize until I started to read up on some of this shit. And it's, it's singular. Right down to the part at the end where... The matador at the end, he tries to plunge his sword in between the shoulder blades of the bull and pierce his heart from the back. And if not, he's got to go in there and cut the thing's spinal cord with a dagger. And also sometimes while the bull is still there waiting to die, the matador will go, and I've seen like footage of this now, where he'll cut the ear off, throw it into the crowd, he'll cut the tail off of a still live bull and keep it as a trophy. It's unbelievably brutal. And I guess I can take small umbrage in the fact that The majority of the bulls that are killed are then dragged out of the arena and they go right to the abattoir, right to to the slaughterhouse where they're then processed for meat. But it's what gets them there that's fucking disgusting. There's these studies now that are saying that the bulls don't feel pain. And I, I, I read through some of it. It's like this new scientific research saying that these one and a half ton animals, 3,000 pounds at the biggest are bred to go in the ring and they have these special hormonal mechanisms that allow them to overcome stress and free themselves from pain. What are your thoughts on that? Bullshit. <laughs> it's bullshit. bullshit. Absolute bullshit. So right. this reminded me of, you know, the uh, during the, the Viet, uh, Vietnam War, the monks uh-huh. would pour gasoline on themselves and burn themselves in mm-hmm. protest. Eyewitnesses were like, the, the monks did not budge. They didn't move a muscle. Because they were so like entranced in meditation mm-hmm. that they've trained their entire life for it. So I guess a state where you feel nothing is, is capable and I don't know what the animal kingdom can do. But this is definitely just some guy being like, I don't want to stop bullfighting. We got to do something. Yeah, the bulls can't feel it. Like, yeah. All right. <laughs> sure. But if, if the people who are listening were to kind of just get an idea in their head of how many bulls are killed every year from bullfighting... And if you were to ask me, I would say at the top end, I would have guessed somewhere around 5,000. Because it's a, it's a big deal. The stat that I have here is 250,000 bulls are killed every year. If you don't believe me, just Google. Simply Google how many bulls are killed a year inside bullfighting rings. And Google spits out 250,000. It does it from a survey that was taken in 2011 and 2012. Meaning that if it's eight years ago... What does that number do? I looked at some more recent numbers, and it says in Spain alone, you still have about seven to 10,000 bulls killed a year. And on top of Spain, you have countries like Portugal, France, 
Mexico, Ecuador, Colombia, Venezuela, Peru, all over the place still killing them. So maybe it's not 250,000, but it's not 50, right? So we're, I, I just try to keep something in line. Like when we were talking about the Black Plague and they had that huge breath of how many tens of millions of people had died, we still knew by the end of talking about the Black Plague having that huge breath that we knew that it was very bad. I think that without becoming PETA activists, again, I'm making meatballs tomorrow. It's still a lot of fucking bulls that are being brutally, uh, brutally killed. Yeah, if you would have told me quarter of a million bulls and bullfighting, I would have said that number is with like the meat industry and all that together. You know what I mean? Right. It's outlawed in the United States. There hasn't been a bullfight legally in the United States until California was having them back in 1957. There are some people who don't go to bullfights but often go to Pamplona for the annual running of the bulls, which is another crazy kind of fucking thing. It was big for Wall Street guys. Wall Street guys would like to go and do that. You know how sort of uh, long came Polly, where they would have that guy who they were trying to insure who liked to do the base jumping and all that kind of swimming yes. with shark shit? Wall Street guys who had money to spend liked to do stuff that was dangerous, but not overly dangerous. Like they wouldn't wow. go and throw an N-word around at a New York City nightclub, but they'd go and do the running of the bulls in Pamplona. And even that... With the running of the bulls in Pamplona, there's a good percentage of those bulls at the end of the race who get killed right away. So it's not as brutal as a bullfight, but these bulls are taking such sharp turns inside such narrow streets into wooden barricades and stuff that they're breaking bones by the dozen. So when they finally do get through to the end of the run, they normally on average kill about eight bulls every time they run and they do it over a multi-night like series, whatever the, mm -hmm. the festival, the running of the bulls are. So just know that if you are like, well, I've never been to a bullfight, but if you do support the running of the bulls in Pamplona, you're also kind of supporting that same culture. It's like, it's a stampede. If you've ever seen uh, The Lion King. Right. Which I, I assume everyone has. <laughs> yeah. I've never seen The Lion King. I don't know what you're talking about. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, I was about to say. that. I, <laughs> yeah, you, got, you got me for a second there. Where I was like, they've <laughs> yeah. even made a, a, a remake of it now. Yeah, yeah. No um, excuse. There's, the only other thing that we had found in Spain, and it was kind of just switching gears to mean something adorable, is that I find it annoying, but they have the Tomatina Festival. I originally thought that this was something in Italy just because of the tomato sauce type fucking stigma or whatever mm -hmm. you want to call the Italians have. But it's that festival that's held in the Valencian town of Bunyol in the east, which is 30 kilometers off the Mediterranean. And the participants throw tomatoes and get involved in a tomato fight purely for entertainment purposes. You see a lot of it. Like that's another thing outside of the running of the bulls. You'll see people who show up in Bunyol every year and they just go out there in white t-shirts and just mob tomatoes at each other. Um, like a gigantic uh, food fight. So I've seen clips of this. And you have seen, too, I'm Yeah, Guinness World Records always has it for like the yes. world's biggest food fight or tomato fight. It's supposed to promote happiness and entertainment. There's only a couple of rules. One of them is that the tomatoes can be thrown, but you have to squash it before you throw it. So you're breaking the seal to a degree. I, th I think it's the difference between a snowball and an ice ball, as far as these people. And you're only allowed to throw tomatoes. So you're not allowed to dummy them up with BBs or buckshot or anything like that. So those are your two rules, the squashing and only tomatoes. And the way that they get away with this is, as we've seen during the quarantine, you get to see the footage of the dairy industry emptying out milk that no one is buying. We hear about uh, crops that are being uh, let go to rot because there isn't enough demand. Well, Buñol, it says that the tomatoes that they use are in abundance. They have such a big supply without the demand that instead of it being just a waste of food, it's actually just a recovery of resources. Pivoting now. I'm pivoting from bull. I'm pivoting back towards the bullfighting thing because I can't mention bullfights without mentioning other animals that we fight. And the first thing that jumps to mind, I don't know if the first thing that jumps to mind outside of bulls fighting, if it would be dog fights or cock fights. At first, I thought bullfights were like Looney Tunes, the red uh, cape, no swords going in. But then I've discovered it's more like yeah, a, yeah. a dog fight. And right. I, I think a cock fight is right in there too. Right. Dog fights are, are you know, 100% illegal now in the United States. They're still legal in uh, Japan, parts of Russia. Uh, most of the rest of the world has, has uh, banned dog fights. So they're not as much anymore, but you still see them done clandestinely, you know, and there's a lot of illegal betting and stuff. But cockfights are still big. 
Cockfights is still fucking huge. It's one of the oldest spectator sports. It's occurred since the beginning of recorded time. I think Julius Caesar is the one that introduced it to Europe. So it's one of those things that's been around for a while. I've never been anywhere near cockfight. I looked some up, but I've seen some in like the dark web since we were doing this stuff. And it is also one of the worst things that I've ever seen. The Puerto Ricans call it the, the gentleman's sport because, of course, they do. I don't know, like, I consider a gentleman's sport bocce because you can, you can play for three hours and never spill a drink. Like, that to me is a gentlemanly sport. This cockfighting thing, the average cock that you would buy to compete in one of these costs $8,000 American. So it's not like something where you just kind of pull one out. If you're going to buy one of these Rex Goliath-type roosters, you get them in there and $8,000 is the one that you would get them like you're buying a, a racehorse. Yeah, They're or like a, that's like a police dog. That's, that's a lot of cash, right? So there's a lot of cash being thrown around. Steel blades attached to the, uh, to the bird's legs and wings. And then the type of cockfight that's going on is often defined by what type of weapon is strapped to the bird's legs. So there's a short knife fight, a long knife fight, a gaff fight. There's a referee on hand. I don't know why. But I guess, I don't know where the rules get broken, but there is a referee in there. And the fights last anywhere from 15 seconds to 15 minutes. The gaff fight, what is that? The gaff's what a is... hook, right? So, you have, so you, have, you have essentially short knives, long knives, knives, and then hooks that you attach to these birds. You get them riled up by putting, I guess, a chicken next to them, which riles me up too, I'm sure. And then once you get them in there, it's nothing. Right, you get in, and if all of a sudden they start to lose it, the the trainer will be come behind them and start blowing on their heads to kind of rile them up again. Because nothing gets me riled up than a little blowing on the back of my, especially with all this hair I have now. That's what but, that's, that's what I do <laughs> my dogs. You know what I mean? Where I right. blow in their ears and they just right. So now the cockfighting is banned in the United States, but in December of 2019, the United States is trying to ban it in all of its territories. So like Guam, all of a sudden, no cockfighting. All Puerto Rico, the United States says, if you're going to be one of our territories, you're going to have to ban uh, cockfighting. And the Puerto Ricans, this is in 2019, Puerto Ricans are absolutely up in arms saying if we do ban it, it's going to cost the country millions of dollars. So it's one of those things that's the lifeblood of Puerto Rico. It's cockfighting. It's bad. And, uh, and that's all I have to say about that. We're going to England. We'll go to We're, England. I got gotcha. you. We'll- we're going with the hunting of the hounds. You know those massive paintings that show people on horseback with hounds chasing foxes. You see, like the polo lounge. Yes, a absolutely. lot of guys wearing like tweed, right, and very, very Natalie dressed with, yeah, uh, with elbow yes. patches. Yes, yes, sir. Uh, but the hunting of the hounds is a tradition that's gone way, way back with royals in England. Uh, it's been outlawed since 2004, though. I looked into this. I think I might be like right-wing British politics, because I don't think they should take the hounds. But I looked into what they do. The hounds basically chase down foxes until they're so tired, and then they tear them apart. That's pretty inhumane. Mm -hmm. But if you just want to chase the foxes with your hounds until the fox gets tired and then shoot it, I think I am fine with that. (laughs) Can we all agree with that? Are you a natural hunter? Are you no, a hunting guy? I'm Have not. Ever- I'm from Indiana. I've never hunted. I don't like killing animals. I'm a big animal guy, but I'm all for hunting if you want to. I don't know. If you want to <laughs> hunt a fox, hunt a fox. Uh, this is one thing I'll say. I've, I hike in the woods with my dogs all the time off their leash and they go on the trail and they stay around me. A couple times they've gotten a fox and they've chased it and I've called them back and they've stopped, but I don't know. Maybe that's, I just, the rush of it was amazing. Maybe you don't understand until you've... I've been on a fox hunt, I guess. It's from Snatch. That's the only time I've seen anything that resembles it. I think it was Snatch where they took Jason Statham out into... Mm -hmm. Him and Tommy went out into the thing. They bet like the caravan and they let the dog go and it was chasing a hare. I think it was a dog chasing a hare, I believe. And whether or not the dog caught the hare and blow... So that's the only time I had seen it. And again, they're all Natalie dressed... You know, like with the elbow pads and stuff like right, that. So yeah. it's something that does seem I could kind of be there drinking a brandy and enjoying myself because it's not a, a ton and a half beast that's being brought down, you know, unfairly by people with like uh, spears and whatnot. 
A hundred percent. And maybe that's why, yeah, I, I think it's more humane just because I've seen, like, hawks kill a, a squirrel or a, a hare, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. it seems more natural. But I will say dogs just attacking a, a, a fox is just kind of inhumane. But the people that go against uh, hound hunting, are it, it's called sabbing. They run out with horns and they blow the horn and they scare the hounds off the scent of the fox because... Hound hunting apparently still goes on in England today, even though it's outlawed. Right. And it's not a familiarity with it. Like, I, I think hound hunting is not something that people know about or, you know, they can kind of picture in their mind. But I don't think people, like people who are in the inner city have mm-hmm. ever considered what hound hunting entails, I don't think. So it's something that's a little bit more on the periphery so we can kind of give them a break. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I did look into sabbing, and there are people that are there out there blowing horns. I like that. And there, there's people that have been killed sabbing, and they're just putting their entire life on the line to save these foxes. And one of the reasons that they said that uh, they sab is because it's an unfair advantage to use hounds in a hunt. And it's like, well, then everything is an unfair advantage. Like mm-hmm. a gun uh, yeah. is an unfair advantage. You know what I mean? Bow. Like they sh- you should just go and do it barehanded if that's the case. So, you said sabbing. How do you spell that? I, I don't know. Is that? So I think it's short for sabotaging. S-A-B-B-I-N-G. Oh, okay. Yeah, it, it took it took me a second to understand that sabbing meant sabotaging. So I don't know if if it's only slang for these, these sabbing people that sabotage uh, hunts. But. I'm going to use it all the time. And we yeah. went back when we did the bestiality one and we were talking about the uh, furries. Mm-hmm. When we were doing that type of thing and everyone making like their own fursona and whatnot, uh-huh. like their avatar, we were talking about that the other day on radio, and I went back to yiffing, which is the sound that foxes make when they have sex. So then it's what they call when you're ever having uh, sex with a anthropomorphic suit on. So if you're a furry and you're having sex with another furry, it's called yiffing. And if you're a guy who likes to sabotage hounds... Then it's called Sab- sabbing. sabbing. Yeah, if that's two things you're going to take away from this podcast, I'd be happy. Also, uh, sabbing a re- sabbing a relationship. Sure, you know, a girl. You can tell a girl and a guy are on the outs. You sab the relationship. You go sab in there, the swoop in, and get the kill. Yeah. All right. Next for England, I, and this is one of those that I feel like everyone has seen on like a Guinness World Record. This is the yep. cheese rolling uh, festival mm-hmm. in. I want to say it's Gloucestershire, like Worcestershire. I think it might be, yeah, so you say because it's Gloucestershire, like Worcestershire. Yeah. But I think you're right. Like, from people from New, Eng- New England know it's Gloucester as opposed to Gloucester. So uh-huh. I think it's Gloucestershire. You're right. Who knows? Nice job. Fuck yeah, you. okay. I'm just trying to. Yeah. Let's go. Let's fucking go. All right. Uh, so Gloucestershire's hit Cooper Hill has been the host of the traditional cheese rolling event since the 1800s. So picture this hill. It's about a 70-degree angle. Uh, they roll a block of cheese down it, and then everyone just starts booking it towards the cheese, and your feet just go on autopilot, and then they start running over each other. People are falling face first, and it's like a grassy green hill, but there's still yep. some... It's not a comfortable, like a, I don't know, like a Teletubbies hill, you know what I mean? That's the first hill that I could think of, where it's just rainbows and butterflies. There's some like rocks on this hill, and I think it's been canceled before for people busting their face. But it says here the uh, event is supposed to take place on May 25th of 2020. So it's coming up. I've seen it too. It's like a bunch of out of shape English people running down a hill after a wheel of cheese. And then once gravity starts to take its effect, it's all arms and legs akimbo as they go in. And it just seems like it's a real limb snapper. Yeah. Right? And you're, there's, I want to say there's some strategy to it, but a lot of it is just luck, hoping your feet can go faster. You know what I mean? Right. people just start tumbling and catch their balance again. It is, if, if you're busting your face, it's, it's on you. These are fun as well. Uh, gurning. Have you ever heard of gurning? It is a, uh, so it is a funny face competition that takes place at the crab fair. I think it's based upon the crab apple, the face you make, the sour face, the gross face, because crab apples are disgusting. Uh, so it's a competition where you see you can make the ugliest face. Rules are there's no makeup, and you can use manipulation of dentures. So if you have mm-hmm. false teeth, you can take them out. So you're supposed to put your lip up to your nose. Bella Lugosi. Bella Lugosi. Bella Lugosi? Is that yeah. vampire in Italian? Yeah, Bella Lugosi was a famous old um, 
old uh, actor who played. Uh, I thought he played Frank, the Frankenstein monster, but he may have, he may have played Dracula. I'm not sure, but Bela Lugosi, famous old actor. Okay, I was looking into him last night, and it, uh, a ghoulish face is yes. is what it is. So I I feel like there's a postcard that like my grandparent or a birthday card that my grandparents have sent me like every other year since I've been 15 where. It's this guy making the face where the lip is up to the nose. And yeah. for this tradition, it's called Gurnin' Through a Braffin. I'm trying to do that. I'm going to try that in an English accent. Uh, Gurnin' Through a Braffin, that's for true. No, that was horrible. Never mind. All right, forget. We can delete that. But Gurnin' Through a Braffin, they put this, like, horse collar around your neck. And I guess it's supposed to, like, frame your face. And you're just supposed to put your lip up to your nose and make this this ugly face while putting your face through a horse collar. So anyone that says, I wish I could live back in the past because simpler times, this is what they had to do for entertainment was make funny faces through fucking horse collars. So never complain about what we're doing. Yearning through a braffin, that's for true. (laughs) Bela Lugosi was, was Dracula, by the way. Dracula, okay. Dracula, okay, yeah. The next tradition in England is shin kicking. Have shin you kick. ever done shin kicking as a sport? I've never done. I've I've done very little shin kicking in my life, and I've done none on the, on the field of sport. Okay, I in fifth and sixth grade, my friends and I, we thought we invented this sport. We did shin kicking. Uh, we would put hold each other by the shoulders, and then we would just try to like kick each other. In the shins. Mm. I had Adidas shell top, and I always thought I had an advantage with those. But right. we did this as a sport just because we were dumb, dumb boys, and we were bored. I don't know. Is that, a, is that an Indiana fact? That No, that's not an Indiana fact. <laughs> I actually I wrote down Indiana facts in case we talked about traditions in the beginning. They weren't very good. Indy okay. 500 and NCAA tournament in May or March. Okay. Uh, yeah. yeah, they weren't good Indiana facts. So I try to spare people if I can. Understood. Yeah, I don't mind um, them. But shin kicking, and then this next one might honestly be the hardest sport on the face of the planet. This is mm-hmm. how Navy SEALs, I think, are selected, probably. Uh, it's called bog snorkeling, where competitors go through a peat bog, and they can't do traditional swimming. They have to wear flippers on their feet and use uh, the flippers alone to snorkel through this peat bog. Which, the amount of strength it would take to go through a peat bog. Peat is just like dead debris and plants that are, mm-hmm. uh, I guess, decaying in a in a bog. So, uh, the mud and uh, I would never want to do this. I want to know what kind of guys and girls are competing in this because they have to be the most uh, thick human beings in the world, like thick neck people. Right. Is what I'm imagining. I couldn't do this. I don't have a thick enough net, like body strength. But nothing we're against. More no. power to you if you're bog snorkeling. More power to you if you're shin kicking, if you're gurning, or if you're rolling down for some free cheese. I mean, the hounds thing the dances a line. But all in all, England's England's a better place than Spain is. Can we say that? Or is that oh, 100%. Us in trouble? a little okay. a little more civilized? But no, okay. yeah. If you are a woman who bog snorkels, hey, I have an Instagram. I once, I once went out there and said uh, a, a biker chick who can protect me at night. So uh, those two, biker chicks and bog snorkelers. I that's that's that. actually that's a great idea. If anyone is listening to this and has actually bog snorkeled before, please mm. let us know. If you have video, even better. Yeah, I'm imagining that... some, some country folk. <laughs> I'm, I'm imagining Brandon Walker as like a, a pro <laughs> bog snorkeler. Right. Yeah, He's all his... state. For history reasons, of course, yes. to contact us. Not just for my personal gain. Yes. Uh, all right, so we're going to Scotland, just right across uh, the English Channel? No, English that would be France. Right. Uh, is Scotland Scotland's actually there is on no the other border. side. So yeah, oh, Scotland is with, yeah, it's within, of, it's within England. I'm so thinking of Ireland. Ireland. Yeah, Ireland, and then uh, England, and then, and then the mainland. But Large. Scotland is within England. This would be a good time to tell you I once mapped the entire world by memory. I'm not joking. Every country labeled correctly. It's really? Hanging, it's hanging in my junior high school. Yeah. Wow. So I, you I, kind I of shit to, the bed with Scotland yeah. being across the English Channel, just well, so you know. I've also mistaken Martin Luther King Jr. for 
one of the Kennedys, I think. So Really? Yeah, right. that wasn't good either. I hear bla- so the northern, I, I, yeah, I've mistaken the nor- black and white men that are completely different. The um, northern part of the United Kingdom is uh, is Scotland. Yes. Uh, William Wallace, Braveheart. I got there. Yeah. I'll get there. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually just watched I just watched the movie La, La Miserable. Les and that is what that is what this sport reminds me of. The caber toss. Uh, in the movie La Miserable, he lifts up like a massive flagpole with the, the French flag on it. And it is exactly what the caber toss is. So the caber toss in Scotland, they lift up basically what is like a telephone pole. And they mm-hmm. just throw it as far as they can. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lumberjacks did it to pass the time, I guess, to see who was the best lumberjack back in the day. And mm-hmm. they needed to throw logs across Cat chasms, chasms, chasms. Have you ever seen caber toss? That's kind of. It's a, a strongman competition. Yeah, I've seen yeah. them in the strongman competition. I've seen them throw the kegs. They throw them up and around like what would essentially be a um, a pole vaulting uh, a pole vaulting bar. And then I've seen the caber toss where they carry these. They're twenty feet high. It's a twenty foot high telephone pole, and you get a little bit of a running start. And then obviously the gravity is pulling the pole away from you, so you got your momentum behind it. And then you let the pole go. You run into the throw and seeing how far you get through it. But it's traditionally won by guys with the names like Magnus von Magnuson, right? Like those yes. type of guys yes. who carry Atlas stones and whatnot. I'm going to take a left turn here, if you don't mind, because with this strongman competition, I interviewed Mark Henry. Do you know who Mark Henry is? He's the world's strongest man. Yeah, wrestler. Yeah. He was yeah. so he's he's has all these powerlifting stuff. I interviewed him last week. That's that's a Mark Henry. Doll. Yes, yeah, Anyone absolutely. Don't know, yeah. I think he's yeah, going to the Wrestling Hall of Fame. Yes, he's Wrestling Hall of Fame exactly. He had told us that since he was the world's strongest man, he had uh, for any drug tested American athlete, he was able to lift more than anyone in the history of lifting. So he was the world's strongest man. Mm-hmm. And then in one of his promotional tours from wrestling, Vince McMahon was in love with the guy. He's been a contracted wrestler now for over twenty years. Actually, and then, there you the go. Vince McMahon shirt right now. Why I not? Just, yeah. yeah. Hey. And so he was a contracted wrestler for two decades, and now since he re- he's got this legend status where he's more of a um, you know, he's more of a guy who does stuff for wrestling without having to get into the ring, like an ambassador. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But anywho, he's the world's strongest man, or he was at the time. One of the guys that competed in the world's strongest man with the Atlas Stones and the caber tossing had approached Mark Anthony and said, how can you say that you're the world's strongest man when there's a competition for the world's strongest man and you've never entered into it? And Mark Henry's like, that's not, I'm the strongest guy because I can lift more weight than anybody. And the guy's like, it doesn't mean anything because we do have this competition. So then Mark Henry, who's incredibly fucking um, competitive, mm-hmm. went to Vince McMahon and said, Vince, this thing exists. Vince's like, I know it exists. He's like, somebody called me out. I must compete in it. And Vince says, you don't have to. You're the world's strongest man compared to that one little thing. WWE is huge. Your, res- your, um, your powerlifting numbers are huge, legendary, Olympic-type yeah. stuff. You don't have down. to do this. And he said, I have to. And Vince McMahon said, okay, you can. But just know, there isn't a spot waiting back here in the WWE for the world's second strongest man. Meaning, if you don't win it, you're not fucking coming yeah. back. And Mark Henry said, I'm still doing it. He won the competition... And I think he only had like a six-month lead-up time, which was the shortest lead-up time anyone ever had to win a World's Strongest Man competition. So now at the end of the day, and the caber tossing just reminded me of it because it's fresh in my mind, Mark Henry was the World's Strongest Man for his squats and all this kind of wild shit that he was throwing around and also for actually lifting the Atlas Stone and stuff. That's the left turn I just took. No, way to put your balls on the table, Mark Henry. What a move. Yeah. Yeah. I I love Vince McMahon, and I can only imagine – how scary that would have been. You know what I mean? Yeah. Dealing with Vince McMahon. Ugh. Speaking of Mark Henry, is there one more thing that Scotland does, uh, Vibs, as far as customs go? That's there, dicey the way yes, I did that. Yes, Ooh, I did. What a segue. Uh, yes. And I'm not I'm not sure if, if this is racial. Blackening the bride. Blackening uh, the bride. That is so fucking rare. That's not what I was thinking about, Vibs, but that's the way you're going. That's fine with me. Yes. Uh, <laughs> that's where we're at. Um, so... This is a traditional wedding custom. I don't want to say 
See, now I just caught myself. I don't want to say it's like tarring and feathering because I think that is, uh, has horrible negative connotation and mm-hmm. this is supposed to be a, a custom that's uh, well-received. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But yeah. for blackening the bride, they're basically just dousing uh, the bride and groom. Uh, I looked it up. They also do it with the groom. So blackening the bride, they're just dousing them in uh, adhesive stuff. So sticky foods and gross shit and then mm-hmm. they bang pans and then they drive off so it's kind of like uh the the t- uh tin cans dangling behind the wedding car you know what i mean just married in a way right. and i uh, say black thing just because i like to be funny but it just means that they're dirtying these people up right right yes yes right and it seems like as we go along on this little thing there's a lot of stuff that's that's based around people getting married Seems like a lot of different foreign cultures like to fuck with people who are about to get married or who just got married more so than the the hanging of the cans on the car or or something like that. It seems like uh, most of these traditions do linger around that. Yeah, no, and it's I feel like back in the day, marriage was one of the main staples in everybody in the wedding. Everyone would get around that, so uh, something to do, obviously. But yeah, like in Denmark, they have this throwing cinnamon at single people. So if you were not married by twenty five, again. Uh, I know females did it, but I think it was also for males when I looked into it. So if you were not married by 25, you would get covered in cinnamon showers by everyone in the village. Uh, I looked into it, and it said spice traders were always traveling, and they were never settling down. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they were always worried about the business. So that they did this when you were 25. If you weren't uh, married, they'd make fun of you in a way and humiliate you by throwing cinnamon and then at 30, if you weren't married, they would throw ground pepper on you. So, so that's, that's okay. So that's, that's Denmark. People, that's Denmark. All right. I'm going to, and I'm going to circle back to that because they have something similar to that in Germany, which I'm going to get to next. But before I do, I'm going to just take a second to tell you in uncertain times like we have nowadays, everybody wants to feel safe, myself included. So I just want to talk to you about Simply Safe Home Security. Um, they're longtime friends of Twisted History, thank God, and for good reason. They made it easy to finally get comprehensive protection for your home. There's no technician or salesperson who's going to show up at your home and start to invade your privacy as he's putting in the security system. You just order it online, you set it up yourself in under an hour, which is unbelievable, and your home is protected 24-7 with emergency dispatch for break-ins, fire, and more, and all for just 50 cents a day. So you're going to go to simplysafe.com, S-I-M-P-L-I, safe.com slash twisted and you'll get free shipping and a 60-day risk-free trial that's simply safe.com slash twisted to make sure that they know that we sent you and from simply safe and all of us we're wishing you safety and good health in these uncertain times so thank you simply safe large i used to dog sit all the time and mm -hmm. people had home security systems simply safe Best one. I never, I never messed it up. So if it, if I can handle it, you can handle it. I'm gonna put it in. I told you, like, yeah, I, you we, said you, you just yeah, moved and you're we did, moved. we did a, yeah, we're in the, we're in the uh, process of kind of moving around. So I think I'm gonna do it because I, I got to be honest with you. When they come in, and they start putting your stuff in. You run, you wonder, does these guys like now have? My, uh, you know, my codes and shit like that. I'm just not trustworthy anymore. I don't mm-hmm. trust anybody. So I'm going to give Simply Safe a, uh, I'm going to give it a whirl. So in the next couple of weeks, I can tell you firsthand how how simple it was to put in, or if they're full of shit. I'll call them out if they're full of shit. No, I, I, I enjoy I mean? it. I've, I've, right. I've used it. Not used I, it, but dog sitting. I've been around right. it for a long time now. I'm going to, I'm going to Italy right now. Italy has a couple of things. They're not that bad. One of them is feeding of the dead, which I thought was a little bit weird. In some Roman burial grounds, they have pipes that lead from the coffin up until the ground floor. So you could then go by a grave and pour honey and wine and stuff down, and it would empty down, presumably into the coffin. And it's a tradition of Romans that they pour honey, wine, and food stuff to the grave to feed people who are dead, send them on their way. I don't understand it, but it's not hurting anybody, so it's something that I don't make fun of. But it's feeding of the dead in case somebody brings it up. What I wanted to bring up in Italy is I told you that I thought the tomatino thing was an Italian thing, the Spain thing where they're throwing the tomatoes around. It's not. In Italy, they have something called the Battle of the Oranges. And each year, in the days leading up to Fat Tuesday, the townspeople of Ivrea divide themselves up into nine different squads. 
And then they go on a three-day rampage of just battling each other with oranges. Every one of these type of traditions has some basis in history. And this one is kind of weird, but it's kind of unclear. But most people know the tale of an evil marquis who attempted to rape a young woman in the town of Ivrea back in the day. But instead, he was decapitated by the woman. So this orange battle is then held every year to commemorate this woman decapitating a marquis who is trying to rape her. So to add a certain level of authenticity to the event, a young woman is chosen from the town to represent the miller's daughter who did the decapitating, and then the teams are lined up according to like peasants and royal lines. Three days, they go at each other, and then afterwards they throw a ceremonial uh, funeral on Fat Tuesday. It's the largest food fight in Italy, but it's not as large as the tomato festival that we had mentioned before. During the battle, 500,000 pounds of oranges are destroyed. So a half a million pounds of oranges are destroyed. It's still not as much as the tomatoes that are destroyed in the Tomatina Festival. And people often leave the war with cuts and bruises. So Spain's got the tomatoes. Italy's got the oranges. Yeah, I... What would you rather get hit with? Tomato or an orange? I think Fucking it's Fucking tomato all day yeah, long. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yeah, and then you go to like a tapas bar and you have like a chorizo, a little toothpick, and a nice little glass of wine. Not that you can't do that in Italy too, but give me Tomatino thing all day long. I don't fuck with bullfights. We've already decided this. Mm-hmm. We're okay with hounds. We're against bullfights. But yeah, give me the tomato thing, especially that whole got to crush it before you throw it. I find that to be gentlemanly. That's kind of, I would have made up that, that rule. rule. Yes. You can't squeeze an orange. An orange is a, that's a projectile. A hundred percent. Have you ever done like the... I don't know if it's a something that everyone does. Clay fights, where you like dig up clay and you throw it at each other. Indiana's a weird place. Yeah, Indiana is a weird okay, fucking place. See, <laughs> you tried to say this like we knew what it was. I know. I didn't want to say this because I was like, "Jesus, this is gonna make me sound like I'm some sort of inbred." Like, right? So yeah, we would. Well, we had a volleyball court, like a sand volleyball court, and we would in the neighborhood, and we would dig in it and find clay, and we'd throw it at each other. And every once in a while, someone would throw a rock. And one time, someone got hit in the head of the rock, and they had to go to the hospital. And that was the end of uh, clay fights. Clay fighting. Okay. Yeah. But why would you think that was a national tradition? See, I, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't know if other neighborhoods were like, "Hey, we can dig up clay and throw it at each other." Yeah. I didn't know if that was something. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you yeah. know, I love you and I respect you, but this one was based on a girl about to get raped. <laughs> And she decapitated the guy. Your friend just essentially threw a dirt bomb one day. It it was it was received well. So then you did it for six weeks in a row until a rock, like, jumped into the wood pile. And then it was cease and desist. Look, uh, I thought at the beginning we were going to say all cultures, all cultures are equal and all traditions are equal. So if you believe it. I don't believe that. You definitely had more clay fights after that kid got hit. The playground equipment got taken down. That was so. It's it's like Whoa. a it's a beach volleyball court. The playground, a wooden playground. They took down the playground. Then they eventually changed it to mulch. Uh, but they didn't change it to mulch because a kid got hit with a rock. They changed it because hornets were nesting in the sand. <laughs> that's here we go with Indiana again, right? Yeah. And that's that's another left turn. Mine went to Mark Henry. You went to Hornets in some sort of volleyball field, and yeah, I like that, it. I like the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> so that was Italy. That was Italy and Indiana. And then we're going to go to Germany. Germany, I glance over quick because similar to Denmark, where they hit you with uh, spices, cinnamon, and somewhere around pepper. If you're not married by the time you're 30 in Germany and you're a woman, in some cultures, you have to go around and clean your neighbor's doorknobs with a toothbrush. If you get turned 30 and you're not married and you're a man, you have to sweep the steps of like the local town hall. And it's just something that would bring uh, awareness to the people who were probably single in the area. And it was almost like speed dating, I'm sure, at the time. And then there was another thing called Polterbrand. No, Polterabrand. And when you did get married, before you got married, relatives would come over your house to the people who were about to get married. They'd break all your dishes. And they do it just so you would know what it's like to work through a hardship before you got married. And also probably because you were getting dishes as a wedding gift. So yeah. it's one of those things where people would come by your house in Germany. Believe me, as far as cleaning goes with Germany, we all know that Germany had done some cleansing years later that was a lot less innocent. So the fact that they're fucking polishing doorknobs and stuff, 
thank you, Germany. Don't do anything anymore. Because we know when you guys get ahead of yourselves, it's fucking bad. This would be fun. I would enjoy this. You know I would I mean? enjoy like, that. I'm okay with both of these. If I can do this, you can do a destination wedding. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. But uh, again, Google German cleansing. These are down on the fucking list. And these are the adorable ones. I'm moving on to France before I get in trouble. Because France has something that I want to go to. It's the giant omelet festival to yes. celebrate Easter. So in France, you've seen paella pots. Everyone has seen a paella pot. They're like those large base but small rimmed pots and they make paella in them. They brown the bomba rice. They get a little bit of a hard on them. Uh, you know, they get a little bit burnt on the bottom. It's called, I forget what the fuck it's called, but it's beautiful. So they have this huge, essentially paella pot. It's a, it's a, it's a pan where they crack 15,000 eggs. 15,000 eggs. A lot of these traditions have to deal with wasted food. This doesn't. Chefs from around France come and take part in pushing the eggs around with oars. They bring oars in and they make a gigantic omelet that they then serve to the people. It was brought about because Napoleon had gone to the town where this was held. According to legend, Napoleon and his army were traveling through the south of France they decided to rest for the night near a town called Bessier. Napoleon feasted on an omelet prepared by a local innkeeper, which was such a culinary delight that he ordered the townspeople to gather all the eggs in the village and to prepare a huge omelet for his army the next day. So that town of Bessier, which I believe I'm pronouncing correctly, once a year now does this thing where they cook 15,000 eggs in a giant omelet. Originally it was done to feed the poor, and now it's become a big tourist attraction. So much so that there's a small town in Louisiana called Abbeville, which does it. It's still planning on doing it on November 7th and 8th of this year. They don't do 15,000 eggs. They do 5,000 eggs, which is still a shitload. Same thing. 52 sticks of butter, 5,000 eggs. The only difference between Abbeville and Bessier is Abbeville, Louisiana, on top of putting in just eggs. I believe Bessier adds some cheese and then some, some, uh, some herbs. Bessier throws in like the... Uh, uh, like, you know, uh, bell pepper, and they throw in crawfish tails. So they make like this big crawfish omelet, which very much gets me going. So I'm not in a rush to go to France, but I think I'm in a rush to go to Abbeville, Louisiana on November 7th and 8th of this year for the omelet festival and have uh, a crawfish omelet. That's a good, that's a good, that's a good custom. That's a good custom. That's a great custom. How would you make the omelet if you could make it anyway? I started making omelets, Vibs, because we're stuck home with the kids and the kids kind of get into it. So I make um, I make omelets just real simple. I try not to put too much stuff in them because I put a lot of stuff around them. So I do like a nice little, if I ever eat lobster and I'm not a big lobster guy, my favorite omelet is leftover lobster from the night before with processed American cheese. That cheese that I don't even think is allowed to be spelt cheese, mm-hmm. right? They have to throw a fucking Z in there or something. Mm-hmm. The ones with the plastic the wrap. Cheese. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I like that cheese for nothing else except for grilled cheeses and lobster omelets with a little bit of snip chive on the top and a little dollop of either sour cream or creme fraiche. That's my favorite omelet. I'm glad you asked. Okay. You lost All me right. with the crappy cheese. No, you know what it is, John, is that inside the omelet, it does give like a little bit of a body to it. And, you know, like lobster inherently does get bland the day after. You got to do it the day after or else just like anything else, it'll get fishy. And it can't be doused in lemon because that'll throw it off. But lobster meat, I'll do an extra lobster tail just for lobster omelets the next day. Yeah, Is that a little bit too frou-frou? Did I did I just uh, expose myself as being an asshole? No, I I love uh, uh, lobster, but I just I was surprised. Just threw me for a loop. Yeah. I'm, Large you know, approved. I'm, yeah, I'm multi-layered. I'm, multi-dimensional. <laughs> I would, yeah. I'm interested to see what you think of the difference between crawfish and lobster tail omelets. If you would, okay, uh, yeah, how you that that would have, be nice. That's yeah. why I should go down myself. So. You, Chef Donnie, uh, a twenty dollars chef, Sean Latham. We get all the gourmands down there. And we have a good time. What do you got now, Vips? Uh, large Christmas. What's Christmas like at your house? It's my birthday. Christmas oh. is my birthday, December 25th. That's right. You have right? to share it. Yeah, <laughs> I do. that I stinks. Share. Uh, well, you'll have to share <laughs> it with another holiday, Krampus. Krampus, Krampus. Yeah. Have you seen the movie Krampus? I had, I saw it in the theaters because I think it was PG-13, so I took my children to see it because it seemed like one of those safe horror movies that you could take a kid to. I have teenagers, so it's... Right. Do they uh, love yeah, it? So they enjoyed it. They enjoy that shit more than I do. 
Okay. I, I'm just not a big fan of, of those movies, and they did. They enjoyed it. See, I love this, the idea of Krampus. So the idea of Krampus is it's this goat, evil Santa that comes around. It's a half goat, half demon who scares children into being nice and not naughty. So he's supposed to go around and put him in his sack, and I thought he ate him. Maybe that's just... I thought so. Yeah, like Krampus the movie was very, very, like, visual. I felt like I was in a Guillermo del Toro movie. A hundred percent. That's what right. it reminds me of the from uh, Labyrinth. He yes. so yeah, Krampus is supposed to show up and scare the kids, but into being good. I thought he was supposed to eat them. That doesn't say anything in this. But they have a festival where they dress up in these just demonic costumes and parade around the street. The pictures are awesome because it is terrifying. It's right mm-hmm. out of like a horror movie. So Austria Hungary isn't the only kind of. Uh, spooky tradition we have here. Eating the dead's ash goes on in Venezuela and Brazil. I feel like this is like the Keith Richards uh, of traditions. Because isn't there the rumor out there that Keith Richards snorted his dad's ash? I think so. And I think people have said when Keith Richards goes, if he is to be, uh, if he was to be uh, turned to ash, then they would like to snort his ashes in turn. If he was to be cremated, I couldn't find the word for a sec. Yeah. If he was to be cremated, people wanted to sure get that essence in them for some reason. But Keith Richards allegedly snorted his dad's ash, and maybe he got it from the Yanomamo tribe of Brazil and Venezuela because the tradition uh, of burning the dead and eating them comes from there you're not allowed to have any body parts go into the afterlife. So they burn the body, turn it to ash, and then they snort it. Or eat it. They consume it. They don't snort it. it. Sorry, I got the Keith Richards thing mixed up. Uh, So no, they burn the body, turn it to ash, and then the family eats it. It's divided amongst them, and they eat it like a a meal. Which, I don't know. Do you you feel that? How would you feel about that? You know what? First of all, I thought that you killed Gloucestershire, and then you fucking pured Yonamamo. I mean, you, you've been throwing... This is like... Thank you. Right? I, I don't know. Like, we kind of split this stuff out. I didn't do that on purpose, but I didn't want either of them on my plate, nor do I want my dead relative's ash on my plate. Large... But I... Yes. Go ahead. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I love it. But no, normally I don't... Uh, my notes ahead of time, they're not the best. They're shoddy. They're bad. But uh-huh. I usually find a couple words and I go, I'm going to nail that word tomorrow. And you did. You and I focus it. on that and boom, there we go. Yeah. And we get a little touch of Indiana. I don't mind. I mean, the Krampus thing is cool. Anytime you can weaponize anything to keep your kids in line. I weaponized the Easter Bunny. I weaponized Santa. I've weaponized Jesus. I we- you know what I mean? Like I've always said that the kids have to be afraid of the cops. They got to be afraid of their teachers. They got to be afraid of me. They got to be afraid of Santa. And then you lose Santa after a while. You lose the teachers after a while. Then you're hoping they pay attention to cops and to you. But if you want to throw a little Krampus in, like Krampus knocked or some like little goat, I'm all for it. The eating of the ash thing, no bueno. But I get it, right? You sort of, before it gets in, you're going to share it with the family so he kind of lives on. I get it. I don't approve of it. But, you know, right. Venezuela and Brazil. Well, it kind of goes along with the, uh, the custom of the uh, placenta the mom yes. placenta, and I've, I think it might have been in some of these notes from some of the stories we're not it using. It was a placenta story, yeah. Where they, they they even feed it to the rest of the family, which yes, placenta stories gross me out. Ash, right. not so much, maybe just because it's, I don't know. You can work around Ash, I think. I can Plus in my mind, them, it's mental, yeah. yeah. And we give the Brazilians a pass because of all the stuff that they, all the wonderful stuff they've done with waxing. Yes, right? and, and asses. Yes, just they have amazing, <laughs> right. yeah. Speaking of Brazilians, Turkey has something called camel wrestling. I just said camel toes and shit like that. Camel wrestling. So when I thought of that, I thought of the conversations I've had with Willie, where he says that he could wrestle almost every animal that's represented as an NFL mascot. So I said, Chicago Bears? I can wrestle a bear. I was like, all right. Which he can't, by the way. He can't. Well, he I've could, but he might, he might die. No, he says he's taking them. He, he, he could take it. It's cra- I like, I'm like, you can get the Seahawk. You can get the yeah. raven. I don't think he could take a fucking dolphin, to be quite honest with you. I mean, a giant? How's he going to wrestle a giant? Yeah, the giant one is, is tough, right? To think about a titan or a raider. Like, I think he could probably take a raider. He could take a cowboy. He could take a redskin. I'm getting off topic here, but I don't mind. No, I like I, it. Uh, he couldn't take a bronco. Oh. No. You know? You can't, yeah, you can't grab it by the neck and take it down. No, maybe a... a he couldn't. 
Milwaukee Bucks, if we're moving over to the uh, to the NBA, I don't think he'd be able to take a buck either. And this is not, I think Willie's the strongest guy I know outside of Mark Henry, who we spoke about. And Mark Henry is now the strongest man in the world, so he's he's got Willie. But he just can't do it. So when I saw Camel uh, wrestling, I said, oh, great. And another thing that Willie can kind of wrestle, but it's not they wrestle against each other. So it's almost like dogfighting. It's a lot more humane. So they managed to do it in Turkey. It's a lot more humane. It's organized every year. It's a popular traditional sport in the Aegean region of the Mediterranean. Uh, Anatolia is where it's especially popular. Contests are strictly regulated to protect the welfare of the animals that may only wrestle once per day in a match, which lasts only for about 10 or 15 minutes. So you train a special type of camel to square off in an open field next to another camel, and they essentially do a big thumb wrestle with their gigantic necks. So they're, they're, they're trained and bred for it. Uh, the type of animals are called Tulu, T-U-L-U. Very easy to pronounce, so I took that one. There's four car- uh, categories, the foot, middle, underhead, and the head. A camel can win in any of three ways, by making the other camel retreat, by making the other camel scream, I love, or making the other camel fall on its side. So if either of those three things happen, the match is over, one camel is declared the winner. I don't mind this. What I do mind for a second is that if you watch the footage on YouTube, and I implore you to go and watch the camel wrestling on YouTube, there there are stands littered all around this field that are just selling camel sausage. And I said, ooh, that's a little bit fucking weird. But I've been to like professional bull riding events where I've had a burger. So I'm being a little bit hypocritical. I don't mind this. I applaud it. I might be a camel wrestling guy. 100% on board with camel wrestling. That's all I have for that. There, camel wrestling is a victimless crime. It is a victimless crime. The, and they seem like they're kept like pets. The camels like, love it. Dog, if you go to a dog track in Florida, those dogs look like they're meth heads. You go to a dog, I went to a dog track in Cork City in Ireland, and they all look like pets. They all look like they're pampered and stuff. These camels remind me of the dogs in the dog track in Cork City, Ireland. So yeah. that's the highest uh, praise I can yeah. give an animal. Have you ever seen the viral video of the giraffes fighting? Where they're just yes. whacking each other with their necks? That's exactly yes. what this reminds me of. It's very similar to that. Yeah. These camels are a poor man's giraffe. A hundred percent. Can't get a giraffe? <laughs> buy me a camel. Correct. Just to follow up with uh, probably the easiest mascot that Willie Cologne could fight, or I'm sorry, wrestle, would be a saint or a 49er. Probably a, saint a, pros- or- <laughs> a prospector has no shot. Yeah. Right. And yeah, because I, I always think the birds, so I'm like, oh, he could take a falcon. Meanwhile, falcons are nasty sons of bitches. You know what I mean? A raven, Baltimore mm-hmm. ravens. Ravens are tough. I'd love to see right? like a, a, a viking. You know what I mean? It's a warrior, <laughs> a but he's viking. not necessarily a big size. Perfect. I think Willie can take a Viking. Yes. I think Vikings are... He could be a Viking. There's no, there's no weapons. That's one of the things. So a cowboy would have no gun. He's done. Okay. Our Indian wouldn't have a tomahawk. He's done. Does, a bear, does a bear have its claws? He's got to because it's, you're allowed... Like, Willie's allowed to use his... You yeah, know what you I mean? can't like, declaw, can, bear. Ooh, that's a much fairer fight, though, without the claws. Exactly. If the bear doesn't have claws... I mean, a bear is, is ten times stronger than a human, but it's... I'm still taking the bear. Can Willie have a yes. knife if the bear has claws? No, no, he can't. Vibs, okay. you can't. This isn't camel wrestling. You can't make this <laughs> shit up as we go along. Oh. Willie Cologne, former NFL uh, <laughs> offensive lineman and Super Bowl winning, and my best friend. I do not see him beating up a bear. It's, this is I. I'm putting it in stone. It's my goddamn podcast. No, I'm just yeah, kidding. I've but seen. I just don't think I've seen Legends of the Fall with Brad Pitt where he wrestles a bear, Correct. but he has yes. a knife. And I think he dies. Does he die? Spoiler, I yeah, don't know. It's the, it's the, it's the end. It's that's the right. Yeah, okay, that's what I thought. Finally, yeah. yeah, one stab uh, like the Indian. I could have took many scalps that day, but the kill was not mine. Yeah, at the end, I think when Brad Pitt does finally meet up with that bear, who might have killed his father, I, I don't know, but I believe he dies with that thing. Yeah. Good movie. Good movie. <laughs> not bad at all. That's a left turn again. All right, what do you got? How could I have forgotten this one? This one's an ooh? This is a good one. This is right, your you favorite. The Kanamara Matsuri Festival. That's, that is absolutely perfect. Kanamara Matsuri. Kanamara Matsuri. Uh, okay. It's a traditional festival held each spring at the Kanam- Kanayama Shrine. Yep. I'm killing it. 
Yeah. With, uh, in uh, Kawasaki, Japan. Oh, Kawasaki, Japan. That was an easy one. I knew that. Easy. Um, but the central theme of this event is the penis. Yeah. People parade around town with a big old wooden penis, and it's supposed to be for fertility and protection against STDs. It's very, Oh, no, it's not for fertility because it's amongst prostitutes. <laughs> Edit this out. Uh, the festival is very popular amongst prostitutes as they wish and pray for protection against STDs. So apparently... This festival is just about fucking. Yeah, it's not about, about it. It's not about having a baby. It's not for fertility. It's not for what most festivals are about. This is about just fucking. Yeah, this isn't the Japanese condom festival. So again, this year, if you just hit Kanemaru Matsuri into a uh, Google uh, uh, search, right away you get 2020 canceled. Because it was scheduled for April 5th, and unfortunately it was canceled. But okay. it's still held every year with the central theme being this, the, the, the phallus. And if you look at the images around it, there's a lot of big wooden dicks being floated around with dick hats. And it's like you wonder where all that stuff at Party City goes when it doesn't get sold to uh, bachelorette parties. You know, the dick pastas and the straws and stuff yes. like that. But it's all over Japan for this. Japan. It's dick, 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 dick. Japan's so, the Super Bowl loser of... Bachelorette Dick. Correct, and you see, you see, lovely Japanese woman riding giant wooden dicks. Um, it's a, uh, it's, it's a little bit off-putting, but still a so, lot of fun, and something that I probably wouldn't go visit. So they're parading around town with these massive dicks. At what mm-hmm. point is it considered a, a statue and no longer a dildo? You know what I mean? Yes, I, I don't know what the exact. Uh, uh, Diameter regulations are yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it's more and plus it differs from person to person, right? Yeah, yeah. Like I, I know some, some girls could probably accommodate more than others. I've you know seen what some mean? videos. Yes, exactly. So I've seen some, some videos. We covered this on the episode on Beastie Out. <laughs> Absolutely, yes, we did. Yeah. All right, so I'm going to do the last one, Vibs. I'm going to get okay, us out of perfect. here if you're okay perfect. with this. I'm, and yes. I'm going to do it. We're going to go to India. And I just think this one's a little bit despicable because I remember when Michael Jackson was alive, there was a he had held his I think his newborn son yep. off of a balcony. The kid had like a veil on or something. Blanket, I believe, is the kid's name. Was yeah, that his name went, blanket. Yeah, one of them. Yeah. And uh, I believe they did call the kid blanket, right? Yeah, I, I, think, I swear yeah. that was the kid's name that he dangled. Yeah, and it's one of the more normal things about him. Um, yeah, but people were up in arms about that. But in India, there is. Um, there's a custom called baby tossing, and it's mainly in the Maharashtra region. Maharashtra wasn't easy to do either, but that's where they do this baby tossing thing. And so you would say, large, baby tossing, what is it? Is so some sort of ceremony where you take the baby and you throw it across a table and Vibs catches it, and that would be wrong. They drop a baby from the top of a temple. So the top of the temple is around 15 meters high. Uh-huh. I don't do a lot of math, but I always remember a meter being about a yard Mm-hmm. So if it's 15 meters, let's say it's only 10 or 15 meters, we're looking at 30 to 45 foot drop. So like a four-story drop, you drop your newborn baby, your family is at the bottom of the temple with a with a uh, cloak stretched out, and they catch it a la firemen, the way firemen do when people are jumping off of buildings. Yeah. And it's believed to be good luck, and it strengthens the intelligence of the child. It's been around for 500 years, and it's mainly done in the Maharashtra region of india where infants are tossed from the top of a temple around 15 meters high uh question we don't have a uh death toll statistic in here how often does it go bad right i tried to i tried to find out how many times this doesn't work and then i also looked up famous indian center fielders and i wasn't the i wasn't able to find any stats on either but I, I, there has to be some sort of gigantic thing that the kid gets thrown in. And I know babies, you know, are known to bounce. So it's not like these things when they're nice and soft and young and babies and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So it's not like the cheese rolling. I'm sure there's probably more injuries picked up in the silly cheese rolling thing than there is from this practice. But as was the case for this whole podcast, and I know we've thrown a bunch of stuff against the window and seen what's stuck. We just wanted to throw you guys out some customs from around the world that we don't necessarily agree with, but we do find interesting. I'm hoping that you guys found it interesting also. I'd like to thank Vibs, as always, for his excellent pronunciation. 
Thank you. For his marginally interesting uh, Indiana facts. <laughs> John, rough thank you. <laughs> yeah, John, thank you for doing everything that you do every week. Thank you, St. Anne, for doing all the research. And we will see you guys next week on Twisted History. Large, I'm not I'm not readily familiar with the way firefighters catch babies. <laughs> oh no, you know, like when someone's jumping out of a building, you ever seen when the firefighters get the the No. <laughs> oh yes you have? What do you Firefighters, mean? Firefighters You mean like a trampoline? Yeah, they get the trampoline thing. It's just a stretch okay. tarp. That's from like a cartoon though. I didn't think it was No, like... no, that's real, John. Come on. <laughs> Cartoons is a is a window into everyone's real life. <laughs> Fucking idiot. Now I'm just now I'm also just thinking of different things Willie can wrestle. Isn't that isn't that fascinating? Because we started going into like, you know, well, what's a knickerbocker? What's a seventy sixer? What's yeah. you know well, it's a Patriot, really. Yeah, but, he's uh, like, Well, yeah. I can take a Patriot, I can take a Nick I was like, How about the Miami Heat? He's like the I'm like, It's a sun, Willie. Yeah. You, can't, you can't beat up a sun. It's a flame, so it's, yeah. Right. So you kinda of go down a little bit of a of the, and then we get into the fighting Irish. Oh, I beat up a fighter, you know, all that kind of stuff. So yeah. uh, some I would definitely that. take Willie for sure. Mm. We tried to figure out a bunch of them, and Willie is afraid of an. I forgot how I'd gotten him. I'm gonna have to look it up because I know he's afraid of heights. Like Willie's afraid of heights, um, but there was something that it was you know like he, I kind of he's got afraid him of heights, but he's not afraid of bears. Yes, exactly. It's good. Yeah, I know. It's. I'm not saying it makes sense by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs>